Well, good morning, young disciples. How are you today? Good. How about all the young disciples at home? I hope you are doing well as doing well as well. So great to see you. Are you guys having a good summer? Yeah. Yeah? Awesome. What's been the best part of summer so far? Water world. Water world. All right. Miles. Going on vacation tomorrow. Going on vacation tomorrow. That's exciting. Yeah. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania? Okay. Oh, going to Eagle Lake. All right. Yeah, Zach, one more. Going to Montana. Okay, so vacations and travel. Go ahead, Miles, one more. Nice. Okay. How about you, Leo? We went to Legoland. Legoland. That's awesome. Now, let me ask you a question. Have any, do, how many of you can read? Or, or how many of you can watch TV? <laughs> awesome. Okay. Do, have you ever watched anything that's like a mystery? Does anyone know what a mystery is? What's a mystery? Something you don't know. Something you don't know until you know. Right? <laughs> so sometimes with mysteries... In the Bible passage that Ms. Lindsay read today, the word mystery was in there four times. And so there's a mystery, I think, is a little bit like a riddle, right? How many of you like riddles? You know riddles? So it's something that all of a sudden it doesn't make sense, and then suddenly it makes sense, and then it seems so obvious, right? Let me give you an example. Okay, what's black and white and red all over? Ooh, he's good. He's good. A newspaper, black and white and red all over. Okay, you got one? What is always coming but never arrives? What is always coming but never arrives? What? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Good one. How about this one? What has a mouth, a head, loves to run but doesn't have any legs? A mouth, a head, it loves to run but doesn't have any legs. Snake? Snake, no. Close. A river. You guys are smart. Okay, what can jump, what can jump higher than a building? Anything that jumps because buildings don't jump, right? Okay, so riddles right there, they seem confusing at first, and then suddenly they're so obvious when you know the answer. It's too heavy, that's right. That's right, that would be crazy. Yeah, all right. One, one second. So let me give you this. The Bible talks a lot about the mystery of Christ and who he is. And one of the things I love about the Bible is it has the answers for so many of life's riddles. And so I want to encourage you as young disciples, one of the ways that you can grow in your faith and your relationship with God is by reading your Bible every day. And every day when you read your Bible, whether it's one verse or two verses, or you ask your parents to read to you, if you can't read yet, just ask the Lord to show you more about who Jesus is, because he is the greatest mystery that's been revealed in all of history. And we have the secret to life's riddles right in the pages of our Bibles. So that's why it's so important as young disciples to be reading the Bible every day. And for you old guys too. Okay. All right. Does that sound good? All right, let me pray a quick blessing for you, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to release you to go to Kids Church. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for uh, these incredible young boys and girls. And Lord, we ask that you would bless them today as they go and learn about you. Lord, we pray that you would reveal yourself to them. Lord, may they come to know you and love you and serve you and follow you all the days of their lives. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. All right. You can be dismissed. Thank you so much.
Awesome. Look at all these young disciples. How exciting. How many of you are thinking of riddles now? All right. A few of us. All right. Well, good morning, Grace Commons. Good to see you. It has been a while. I have been traveling for most of the last month. And uh, we were in England with my wife's family. My name's Daniel, by the way. If you're new, I'm one of the pastors here. We were in England for uh, a couple weeks, and then I had a chance to travel over to Egypt to check out the work that ECO is doing uh, with the Evangelical Theological Seminary in Cairo. This is clearly not the Bible college. This is me on a camel crushing it, all right? Whoever said riding a camel is hard, it's easy. You just sit up there and just stay loose. Uh, we got to check out the, the pyramids while we were there, which was really cool. Uh, and I got to see a couple different ministries, one that our church has partnered with before called Life in Abundance. They're now doing some work in Egypt. We used to partner with them before my arrival in Kenya, and uh, they are doing some incredible work, particularly around women's empowerment uh, in the uh, Cairo area, uh, which is really sweet. And then there's this evangelical uh, theological seminary uh, that ECO has really partnered with, and they are training uh, church leaders and church planters to plant churches all across Egypt. Uh, Egypt is 90% Muslim, 10% uh, Coptic Orthodox Christian. And so these, uh, these men and women are doing an incredible job, and it was great to go and see this, this kind of mecca of learning. There's new partnerships forming in Cairo with, with churches in Jordan as well, and a couple of Syria, I believe, as well. So some really cool things God is doing in that part of the world, and Eco has been a big part of that, and so it was very cool to get to go and, and uh, see that and experience that a little bit. And so uh, anyways, great to be back from that. Uh, it was a, a 12-day trip once I I left England and visited Egypt, and as the Lord willed, we ended up in Germany for a couple days, and it was okay, you know, it was okay. Um, so today we're continuing our series on the book of Ephesians, and we're going to be looking at a large section of the third chapter. And so if you have your Bibles and you want to open there, uh, the title I've given this today is The Mystery Revealed. The mystery revealed. And, and as you may have heard uh, in our, our time with young disciples, in this text that we're looking at in Ephesians 3, verses 1 to 13, the word mystery is used four times. So anytime you're, you're reading the Bible or studying scripture and something is repeated, it means it's significant, it's important. And so we want to pause and pay attention to what is this mystery that Paul is writing about to the church in Ephesus. How many of you love a good mystery novel or, or mystery film? I love a movie that like doesn't uh, come together until the very end. One of those movies that keeps you on the edge of your seat and keeps you guessing and then right at the end is like, oh, I didn't see that coming. I love movies like that. I love that mystery, that suspense. In fact, I love it so much it kind of backfired on me last week. When we were flying home, we had this little stopover in Frankfurt, and we were flying home, a direct flight, Frankfurt to Denver, and our plan, my buddy Gary traveled with me, and uh, our plan was to stay up most of the night, so when we hit the plane the next morning, we could sleep. The problem is, there was a lot of good mystery movies on board. I watched four movies and slept for 40 minutes. That was it. So really, really backfired. I can't remember the last time I watched four movies. It was, it was glorious. So when I think of mystery, I think of a, a novel or a movie, but when Paul is using this, this word in this context, he means something slightly different. In fact, mystery, I would define it this way according to Paul. It's, it's something that is beyond our natural knowledge. 
that has been opened to us by revelation through the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, I think we might have a slide for that if you're taking notes. Mystery is something that is beyond natural knowledge that has been opened to us through divine revelation by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so this morning, we're going to walk through this, this text that Lindsay read for us, uh, kind of verse by verse. But before we do that, let's pray and let's ask the Holy Spirit to bring a fresh revelation from his word to our hearts today. Will you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for this incredible book of Ephesians that we've had the privilege of, of journeying through together. And Lord, we pray that as we dive into the passage for today, Lord, that the eyes of our hearts might be enlightened. Lord, that there's something in this text, something in this passage for each one of us today, whether we're sitting in this room or watching online, Lord, you want to speak to our hearts. And so, Lord, we pray that our ears would be open to hear you, our eyes would be open to see you, and we would receive all that you have for us today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 3. I have three short points. I'm, gonna, I'm working on doing these, uh, these Presbyterian length messages. So you guys time me. We'll see how we do. Okay, so three points for today. The first one is simply this. We have to receive the revelation. Receive the revelation. In Ephesians 3, Paul writes this, and this is interesting in this, this passage of scripture, Paul uh, is, is a little bit, um, uh, what's the word for like easily distracted? You know, where you, you suddenly see a squirrel and you turn. He, he starts off saying, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. And then right after that, he starts a tangent and he doesn't finish this thought until verse 13. And so he finishes the thought in verse 13 with, I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, because they're for your glory. But he totally gets distracted because he starts talking about this mystery of who Christ is, God's secret plan revealed to the world and the implications for the church. And he gets so excited, he just loses it. And so it's good to know that, that preachers from all the way back in early church history are easily distracted. And so I feel like I'm in good company this morning. Let's pick up in verse 2. He says, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by what? By revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. And what's exciting is, is this is just as true for us today as it was for the church in Ephesus. By us reading this, we too are able to understand Paul's insight into this mystery of Christ, which, he says, was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. Now, this is huge because this is a revelation that for generations past was unknown. And suddenly in Paul's day, in Paul's time, the Holy Spirit sees fit to give Paul a revelation, an insight that doesn't come to him by his human learning, an insight that comes to him through divine revelation by the power of the Holy Spirit, and it becomes a turning point in the history of the church and how God is working in the world. What an amazing thing that, that he got to be part of. And he goes on to explain. The other thing that was interesting here, he says, it's been revealed to God's holy apostles and prophets. 
And that's interesting because many people thought that the, the prophets ceased, all right, when Jesus came, that the prophetic gift ceased. But Paul is saying, no, no, there are still apostles and prophets active and engaged in the church today. And then he explains this mystery very clearly. What is this mystery he's talking about? And uh, Randy did an incredible job last week uh, preluding to this and opening this up. He said, this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. This was huge. As Randy shared last week, there was this sense that, that God was a Jewish God and he was a God for the Jewish people. And as we look back at the Abrahamic covenant last week in Genesis chapter 12, we see, that we see God's missionary heart from the very beginning of our Bibles. That God had chosen the nation of Israel. He had called them out. He had set them apart because he said that through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So yes, God did choose Israel. God did call them out. He did set them apart. He revealed his covenant to them. He walked with them. He led them. But his intention wasn't ever only for Israel. It was always that through this people that I have chosen, through the nation of Israel, all the nations of the earth might be blessed through you. And that's what we're seeing. Paul is saying that that secret, that mystery has been fulfilled through Jesus because suddenly the Gentiles are included. They are heirs together with Israel. They They are sharers in the promises of God, which is absolutely incredible. Okay, if you go back and look at Ephesians 2, verses 12 to 13, Randy touched on this last week. He's talking to the Gentiles and he's saying, remember, that at that time you were separate from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship in Israel, and you were foreigners to the covenants of the promise. You were without hope and without God. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. What a beautiful, beautiful passage. It's true for each of us, those of us who are far away from God have now been brought near by the blood of Christ and what he's done for us. This is the great mystery that Paul's talking about. The Gentiles are included and we are one. You might say that this was a holy shift moment in the church. All right, this was a moment when everything shifted, when everything turned, when, when it was just thought to be this, and then suddenly God brings a revelation that expands and opens our insight and understanding and shows us the fuller picture. You thought it was this, but actually it's this. We are one. Whether you're Jew or Gentile, we are one. In spite of what divides us, in spite of our political preferences, in spite of who we pull for as the NFL season gets underway, We are one. I love what Ash prayed last Sunday. She said, may what unites us be so much more powerful than what divides us. And that was a revelation that God was given to Paul that he was sharing with the Ephesian church. This is the mystery that he's proclaiming. And there's a difference between revelation, again, and natural learning. Revelation comes by the Spirit of God. Natural learning comes from study and effort. And both are important. But I believe that that human learning educates our minds, but revelation transforms our hearts. 
And that's why it's important that we lean into the work of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit who dwells in you wants to give you fresh revelations about who God is and who he is for you. In each moment, in each season of your life, the Holy Spirit is in you and wants to show you who he is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And we can study scripture and we can learn a lot and that is so important and absolutely necessary. But so is receiving fresh revelation from the indwelling spirit of God inside of us. Amen? Amen, okay. So, number two, once we receive this revelation, then we need to, number two, we need to proclaim the mystery. Proclaim the mystery. Paul goes on here in verse 7, and he says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of what? What does it say there? Working of his power. I can't hear you at home. Working of what? His power. Okay. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me. To preach to the Gentiles. Again, Gentiles being anyone who wasn't of Jewish descent. To preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. What an incredible phrase. The boundless riches of Christ. And to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things, but his intent was that now, don't you love that? God has an intent. We can't always see what he's doing, but we can be sure he's always working. His purposes are at work in our lives, and his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see, as followers of Jesus, we too are invited to be proclaimers of this mystery. We are invited to be ambassadors of the gospel. As Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.20, we, all of us in the church, are therefore God's ambassadors as though Christ were making his appeal through us. We implore you, therefore, be reconciled to God. What Paul is saying here is revolutionary that the boundless riches of Christ are for all, both Jews and Gentiles. In another place, in in Romans 10, 13, Paul says it this way. He says, everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Every single one. In fact, in John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. In our first week in the studies, in Ephesians 1.3, it says, a beautiful verse, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. The boundless riches of Christ are ours together because we share in the promises with the Israelites. Again, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1.20, All the promises of God are yes in Christ. Again, in 2 Peter 1.3, it says his divine power has given us everything we need for a life of godliness through our knowledge of him who called us according to his own glory and goodness. Again, everything that we need is ours in Christ because of these boundless riches in Christ. 
Now, this is the moment in the service where you get to talk in church. All right, I'm going to invite you to share, just to shout out very carefully without spreading COVID. What are some of these boundless riches in Christ that are ours? Health. Okay. Grace. Citizenship. Peace. Hope. Reconciliation. Power. Love. Love, yeah. There are so many things as we mine the depths of Scripture, we see all these boundless riches in Christ, the, the forgiveness of sins. The fact that even though you and I have made mistakes, Jesus came and he paid the price. He lived a perfect life for your righteousness. He died a perfect death for your sin so that we could be redeemed, so that we could be restored, so that we could live holy, so that we could have peace, joy, hope, love, power, so that we could recognize that we are a new creation, that he's given us a new heart, that we have a new identity, and because of that, we have a new purpose, a new destiny, a new calling. God has done so much for us. We are the recipients of the boundless riches of Christ. And this is something that God has given to us, not to conceal, but to reveal. Not to keep to ourselves, but to share with the world. While I was in Egypt, I had a chance to go up to Alexandria and we got to visit St. Mark's Coptic Orthodox Cathedral. And you can see it there, a picture of the outside and the inside. In 2017, there was a terrorist attack in this church that killed several people, I think 17, and wounded 48 others. There's incredible security around it. Um, but this church is built on what is believed to be the site of the original church. Because St. Mark, the evangelist, who, who penned the second gospel in our Bibles, carried the gospel once, once he had learned learned from Jesus during his earthly ministry. Once Jesus had ascended, you know, from, from the grave and back into heaven, he received a revelation about these boundless riches of Christ. And something happens when we receive a revelation about the boundless riches we have in Christ. The thing that happens is we can't keep it to ourselves. We have to then share it with others because the news that we have is so good. And so Mark, uh, the evangelist, traveled to Alexandria in 42 AD and set up shop. And he built and established a church there. And church tradition tells us that he did many, many miracles in that place. And a church was established. And he was there for about seven years. Uh, he went on and, and served in other parts of the world, but in 68 AD, church tradition tells us that he was martyred by being dragged through the streets. So passionate was he about the gospel of Jesus that even though it cost him his very life, he couldn't hold it to himself because he had a revelation about the boundless riches of Christ that are ours. And he had a commitment to make sure that followers of Jesus understood the inheritance we have in Christ. And he was committed to going into proclaiming this mystery, the hope of the gospel to all nations. And he established this church in Alexandria. And it was humbling to stand in that site, to sit and pray in this cathedral and think about the years of faithful, faithful service, how the church has been moving and spreading across the world since the time of Christ. I believe when we have a revelation, not just when we've learned about it with our human intellect and our own power, but when we have a revelation in our heart uh, that is revealed to us by the Holy Spirit that we cannot keep it to ourselves. I believe we become like the prophet Jeremiah, who in Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9, he's known as the weeping prophet. He was persecuted for his message, but he says, but if I say I will not mention him, 
or speak anymore in his name. His word is in my heart like a fire. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. Man, may that same urgency be in you and I as we understand the boundless riches of Christ that we have. May we be unable to hold it in. May we be unable to keep it to ourselves. But may we be like Paul, who in 1 Corinthians 9, 16 says, But when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, for I am compelled to preach. And then he says, Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. My prayer for you, my prayer for me, is that we would have such a similar sense of urgency to proclaim this incredible mystery that's been revealed to us through the pages of Scripture, that all who call on the name of the Lord might be saved, that any who believe and receive might become children of God. So the first thing I take away from this text is that we need to receive that revelation. The second thing is we need to proclaim that mystery. And the third and final is we need to rest in our identity. We need to rest in our identity in who we are in Christ. In fact, in, in Paul's writings, we see this over and over and over. There's this phrase about being in Christ. In fact, I did a quick uh, read through the book of Ephesians this week as I was preparing. And in my count, when you see the phrase in Christ or, or we are in him, uh, appears about 30 times in this tiny little book of Ephesians. Again, when the Bible repeats itself, it's important. There's something we need to understand about the fact that we are in Christ. And I know that you all have seen this before, but it's so good I'm bringing it back. It's like a rerun on television that you have to watch. And some of you maybe haven't seen this, so I'm going to explain it well. But we know that this is the last weekend without pro football. Somebody say hallelujah, praise the Lord. All right, football is back. It's the most beautiful time of the year. And we all know, shared together, some of you only have human learning, so you're Broncos fans. But when you have a revelation, you understand that the Miami Dolphins are the greatest team to ever exist. All right. But that's neither here nor there. Don't be distracted. All right. So once again, we shared this with the little disciples, our young disciples, even before I left, just a kind of scaled down version of this. But this is us before we come to know Christ, right? Inside, we are empty, all right? We are dead, the Bible says. We are dead in our transpasses and our transgressions. But when we have an encounter with the Lord and we receive Jesus as our Savior, something incredible happens. The Bible tells us this little guy here, this is not to scale, right, is the Holy Spirit. You guys remember that? Look, guys, the Holy Spirit. And when we give our hearts to Christ, where does the Holy Spirit come to live? Inside of us, right? He indwells us. So the Holy Spirit is inside you. And if you listen, you can hear him. Okay? All of you can hear him. He wants to rattle around and make some noise in your life, but you got to be listening. All right? What is he saying to your heart today? What revelation is he wanting to give you today? So the Holy Spirit is in us. But then Paul writes in Ephesians more than 30 times, and I think it's more than like 170 times throughout the epistles and the New Testament. Not only is the Holy Spirit in you, but Dan Marino, our Russian doll Dan Marino, is Christ in this analogy. Okay, He's not quite as awesome as Jesus, but he's close. All right, And so the Holy Spirit is in you, and we are in what? In Christ. We're in him. So this... The Holy Spirit in you, you in Christ. Paul says it this way in Colossians 3.3, our lives are hidden with Christ in God. Our lives are wrapped up in his. So when God looks at us, what does he see? The righteousness of his son. 
And this is a gift of grace. It's not by works so that no one can boast. But the Holy Spirit's in you, and you are in Christ, and this is our new identity. This is our destiny. This is our calling. This is who we are. And it's so important that we remind ourselves that we, as followers of Jesus, have confidence and freedom in Christ. That's what Paul tells us in Ephesians 3.12. I believe that when we are resting in our identity, when we are resting in whose we are, we are better positioned to receive revelation. But when we're trying to attain it through our human efforts, we think the power lies with us, but it doesn't. It lies with Christ. Sometimes an ounce of revelation is better than a pound of learning. Sometimes the Holy Spirit brings something to life in your mind, in your heart as you read the scriptures, and it changes you. So when we are resting secure in whose we are, when we understand our identity in Christ, we are better positioned to receive the revelation, and I believe we are empowered to proclaim the mystery of the hope of the gospel with greater power and greater authority because we recognize it's not by our own power, it's by his power. It's not because of who we are, it's because of who he is. This is our shared calling in Christ, to remember that we are one. To remember that the hope of the gospel is for all. And to walk in confidence and freedom as we proclaim this mystery and this hope to others. Again, Ephesians 3.12, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. May we never forget this opportunity. May we never forsake this privilege. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you that it's alive and active. And we pray, Lord, that your word would light a fire in our hearts today. Lord, give us the grace to receive a revelation of who you are. Give us the grace to receive a revelation of our identity in Christ, that we belong to you. And Lord, give us the power to boldly proclaim the mystery of the hope of the gospel, even as we rest in our identity. In the name of Jesus, amen.